Hello there, folks. Kevin here. Thanks for tuning in. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sound and head on over to our Instagram, Film Friday Podcast. Give it a like, a follow, and, you know, maybe share it with your friends. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Film Friday. I'm your host, Kevin Kyo, Um And unfortunately, this week, we don't have a guest. Uh, we were supposed to have a guest, but due to COVID and some timing things, um, they couldn't come on. But I thought that I'd still put up an episode this week and now uh, we'd try something a little different. So obviously around the world, people are stuck in lockdown. Um, some people aren't. Some people are just, you know, trying to live life under restrictions. But my point is, we're all watching a lot of different things on streaming services. Um, And I think we've all been in that situation where, you know, you're going through Amazon Prime or Netflix or Disney Plus or whatever. And you're just like, there's so much that you're trying to figure out what to actually watch. So what I did was I went and I'm going to give two uh, TV show suggestions from each of the streaming services. Well, each of the streaming services that I have access to. And anyway, and uh, I'll throw one or two films in there as well. um, Just to like, you know actually live up to the podcast's name but hopefully you know you give this a listen it'll help your week pass by maybe you'll get a new show that you watch something to binge something to watch week by week depending on the service but yeah that's what we're gonna do this week and then next week we'll return to our normal scheduling of um having you know someone on to talk about their favorite movie but we'll get into more of that at the end so I hope everybody's keeping safe out there. Uh, it's a crazy time in the world that we're living in. So, yeah, first and foremost, I hope everybody's keeping safe and everybody's getting by just good. I know back home in Ireland, things are crazy. Well, crazy boring, but because um, everybody's stuck in lockdown and you can't go five kilometers away from your house. Um, here in Canada, it's a little more open, thankfully for that. But um, we're all binging something everywhere. So let's just get into it. So first up, we have Amazon Prime. Um, now I suppose I'm gonna go. Tr- I'm going through like four different streamers here, and uh, no, I don't pay for all these by myself. Uh, <laughs> most of them are from friends' accounts, so. Yeah, in any case, anybody's listening, being like, Asher, that fella's made of money. I'm really not. Um, <laughs> so first up, we've got Amazon Prime. And the first show that uh, we just binged a couple of weeks ago is called The Wilds. So it's a drama, a like teen drama kind of thing. Um, it's this show that was created by Sarah Streicher. Stry? Streicher? Streicher? Um. Anyway, it's our first big project, and it's fairly good. So there's a total of ten episodes. Uh, the plot is it's a group of teenage girls from like lots of different backgrounds. Like it's a very, very, very diverse uh, cast, and they're stuck on an airplane. It crashes in the ocean while they're on their way to Hawaii for like this thing called the Dawn of Eve program, a young women's empowerment retreat, and. Yeah, it's basically like Lord of the Flies with teenage girls is the basic gist of the show. It's uh, 
it's good. It's look, it's I watched it. It took me a couple of episodes, maybe two episodes, to get in to it. Like I was intrigued from the start, but I wouldn't say it's not easy watching. But it's something that you, you know, if you have nothing to watch and like you're just looking for something new to check out to keep you entertained, um, this will definitely scratch that itch. It's not going to be, it's not to the level of, say, The Wire or, like, Breaking Bad. Um, but it's definitely a quality above your normal TV show. It's It gets fairly deep into, like, if you know, if you've watched Lost before, it kind of borrows a lot of the themes from that show. Like, with each episode delving really deep into the character's background, what makes them tick why they are the way they are like why they act like certain ways and uh, it's pretty interesting um because like i said it's a huge diverse group of young women um and they all have very interesting stories so yeah it's a good one and um, i do have a tip for this one go into this world knowing as little as you can about it like i wouldn't even watch the trailer if you're like listen to the podcast and this is the one show that you take away that you want to watch like and you're like myself and you watch the trailer of something before you want to see it to get the gist of it i'd suggest not looking at the trailer for this because in my opinion the trailer spoils some major stuff that i would prefer to like go into this completely blank the less you know the better trust me so yeah if you're thinking about watching this hold off in the trailer just hop right in the less you know the better and then um, I think it'll be a more enjoyable experience because of that. Yeah, that's that. Um, the second one is a show that got released, I think, in like the peak of COVID. Um, well, it wasn't the peak of COVID. Uh, it was the peak of lockdown for us here in Canada. Um, but it's called Upload. It's like a drama comedy. It's much more of like a lighthearted drama. Uh, it was made by creator Greg Daniels. He's worked on like loads of uh, classic TV shows. He's worked on The Office, Saturday Night Live, The Simpsons, Park and Rec, um, The King of the Hill. Once again, it's got 10 episodes. You'll start to see a pattern with um, 10 episodes. It's only got one season, but the plot is super, super interesting. So it's set in 2033. Uh, humans are able to upload themselves to a virtual afterlife of their choosing. When a computer program, Nathan, dies prematurely, he is uploaded to the very expensive Lakeview, but soon finds himself under the thumb of his possessive girlfriend, uh, uh, who is still living. As Nathan adjusts to the pros and cons of digital heaven, he bonds with Nora, his living customer service rep. Nora struggles with pressures of her job and her dying father, who does not want to be uploaded. Yeah, it's um, it's really good time. This is a great show to just sit back, relax. Um, it it deals with heavy subject matter like existentialism, like what is life, life after death. But it does it in a super light way. Like there's lots of jokes. The it never gets really too dark, even though it touches on dark subject matter. Um, apart from the end it gets a little dark but it's keeps things nice and light and it's a really breezy watch for a show that deals with such heavy things 
Uh, stars uh, Robbie Amell and Andy Allo. Um, sorry, the Wilds didn't have doesn't have like I think they're all new um, actors. Um, I didn't recognize anybody in any way. Um, but Robbie Amell that stars in this, his brother is the guy um, in Arrow, and Andy Allo she is in Pitch Perfect Three, I think. So they're not like big stars; they're relatively new faces. What make what I really liked about the show is that is the balance of the comedy, but like the super seriousness of death. Like it basically becomes a commentary on class and like how people have made the afterlife a sort of product. So. The rules of the world are pretty cool that like if you have a lot of money you can like you buy this place at Lakeview which is super expensive and then like your basically consciousness is living on the grid but like there's people that basically buy the afterlife package but they buy really cheap ones so like it'll be kind of like buying an, an internet package like if you spend less money you only have a certain amount of bandwidth per month so there's some families that like have people uploaded to um the cloud and they can't afford to keep them like for the entire month. So they'll get like two days of bandwidth where they can talk and they can actually be active. And then when that runs out, they're like, they can't do anything. So it's a really interesting concept. Um there's a nice little mystery wrapped up into it, like being like, did Nathan actually like, was he, did he die or was he murdered and stuff like that? But it's, it's a really, really good watch. Um, we binged it. Um, we didn't binge the wilds, but we kind of did, but like not as much as upload. Like it's really digestible for a show. Like I said, that like plays with such heavy and existential crisis. So, yeah, I'd really suggest it. It's very, very good. Um, an honourable mention for Amazon show, for the Amazon Prime would be The Boys, which um, me and Hartley talked about on the New Year's special, um, rounding up of like last year's shows. If you haven't watched The Boys, it's a brilliant show. It's about basically what superheroes would be in real life. Great show, love it. I'd suggest it. Um, I have a movie option for Amazon Prime. If you're looking for something to watch, um, uh, what I would consider an Oscar contender, or I hope is, would be the movie One Night in Miami. It's based on a play where Muhammad Ali, Sam Cooke, Malcolm X, and oh, who else is it? Jim Brown all are locked in a apart. Well, not locked, but they spend the night together in an apartment in Florida or in Miami. <laughs> Florida. Miami is literally the name of the title and I got it wrong. But yeah, it's based on a play and it's basically all dialogue. The director, she does a very good job of um, keeping things interesting and just working stuff in and out. But it's a very, very interesting movie. It's brilliantly acted, brilliantly written. If you're up for something, like a film to watch, like it's big, big, big Oscar contender in my brain. Well, it should be. But yeah, and that's that. And uh, that's it for Amazon Prime. 
Um, Amazon Prime as a whole, I'd say I use it the least amount of my streaming services. Um, I don't pay for it. <laughs> my friend does. I don't know if I should say that. Well, let's be honest. Amazon Prime aren't listening in. At least I hope they're not listening in. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's the one that I used least. It's it's okay, I guess. Um, like they've got like good shows like that. I think they're really they have a lot of stuff in the pipeline that they're like working out. Like you know, like they got that Lord of the Ring show that's like just going to be up for them. They've got lots of other little small projects. Um, I think Preacher is up there. That's another good show. But they just don't have the sheer amount of like quality uh, or like original content that Netflix or um, say like HBO slash Crave have slash Now TV. So it's, I guess this is turning into a streaming uh, reviewer. Like it's okay. I'm not crazy about Amazon Prime. But yeah, it's got those good shows. If you have it, check them out. And next up is, which would probably be the original and I'd still say still reigning king of streaming Netflix. Um, Forced up for Netflix, we're going to switch it up. It's a documentary. And if you haven't watched this documentary, it came out um, earlier in the year. Once again, in peak um, lockdown, I think, for the world. Like, this was a time when it wasn't just, like, one country lockdown. Like, every country was like, fuck, we're all locking down. It's called The Last Dance. Um, it's a documentary about Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. Uh, it was created by Jason uh, Heher. Um, he's, I looked into him, he's done document other sports documentaries before like he did one on Andre the Giant uh, I think he did one a hockey one or something but ESPN basically well I've wanted to do this for so long um, a Michael Jordan documentary because they have um, well, the plot of it plot of it is like a docu-series given an account of Michael Jordan's career at the Chicago Bulls using never before air footage from the 1997 to 98 Bulls season uh, his final season with the team so it's basically looking at that team as a whole and like the, I think it's five, five years in a row or they might have won six in a row. But basically they won like a number of championships in a row and it's just an in-depth look at probably like a once in a generation talented individual like Michael Jordan. It goes into the team, the Chicago Bulls team, and like how like Scotty Pippen, Scotty Pippen, uh, worked together with him. And um, oh crap, what's the other fellow's name? Um, I'll look that up now because it's gonna wreck my head. And in case you can't tell, I'm not a big. I like I love Michael Jordan because of uh, Space Jam, but other than that, Dennis Rodman. Uh, still Steve Kerr and Phil Jackson who was the manager it gets it has them on the documentary and it gets their point of views and what they thought about it but it's basically a Michael Jordan documentary but it's fascinating to like basically get in the psyche of what it takes to be the best in the world 
and what drives him and they go back to like his childhood and it's very well done it's also 10 episodes i don't know if i said that already but it's very well done documentary um i can't speak i'm pretty sure it's factual they the use of like the footage that they had from the time from the 1997 and 98 season and previous seasons makes it so much better um but yeah it, it's really good <laughs> that's all i can really say about it um i found it fascinating because it's a giant character study of michael jordan um if you're not interested in finding out what it takes to be the best in the world at something then i don't know you can watch eastenders or some <laughs> no no shade in eastenders i guess if you um i know a lot of people like might not be into sports or like into anything like that but i'd suggest even watching it just for that because it's more of it's about basketball obviously but it's more about the people and the team and like how they built a team around this one individual and how they just work together i'd suggest watching the trailer for this one if you're like on the fence and you're like oh i don't really know how i feel about this the trailer is a really good indication of the vibe and i'm sure you've watched a netflix documentary before it's like super hd quality it's well done it's well made Uh, i'd prefer watching this than any of the murder documentaries on uh, netflix personally because i don't know um i guess i just prefer this one's a little more uplifting (laughs) but yeah the last dance check it out it's a very very good the next one is kind of another um teenage one in the similar it's not in a similar vein of the wild but it's a teenage show but it's a comedy um set in like a post-apocalyptic world it's called daybreak it's uh, directed by Brad Payton and Aaron Eel, Eli Coletti. Like they made the show. Ten episodes. Um, the plot it follows this 17-year-old uh, Canadian high, high school outcast, Josh, who's searching for his mi- missing British girlfriend, Sam, in a post-apocalyptic world in California. He's joined by a ragtag group of misfits, uh, including a 10-year-old, Pyromaniac uh, Angelica and Josh's former high school bully Wesley, who is now a pacifist and would be samurai. Josh, Josh tries to survive among the hordes of Mad Max style gangs and zombie like creatures called ghoulies. The best way to describe this show is Ferris Bueller set in the apocalypse. And the series creators are completely aware of this trope as one of the main characters is Ferris Bueller himself, Matthew Broderick. He plays um, a character in it. But the, so there's a lot of like breaking the fourth wall, like the character Josh breaks the fourth wall and talking to the audience and being like, this is what life is like in the apocalypse. So it's basically like, excuse me, if the apocalypse happened and if no adult survived and it was all teenagers. So it's pretty good. It's, you know, it's it's an action romp. Like they, the gangs that they have are like interesting. They're broke up into like evil jocks, like cheerleaders that turned into Amazon warriors. Um, the nerds that are like the high tech group. It's, 
it's really good. I binged this. I think it was out. I don't. I think it was out in two thousand nineteen, and it's still up there. Um, but when I was looking for shows to put on Netflix, I was like scrolling through originals, and this popped up, and I really, really enjoyed the show. Um, it's it's kind of an easy watch as well. It would be in the similar vein of Upload. Um, it's lighthearted, dealing with heavy subject. The music in it that was fucking great. Like they've got some great fucking music choices in this show. Um, I love Ferris Bueller. If you like Ferris Bueller at all, um. I'd highly suggest it. And if you like Apocalypse movies, check it out as well. It's it's more of like a, a horror comedy, a drama horror comedy. A lot of splice in the genres. But yeah, it's really good. I'm fairly sure they're doing another season of it. So get on it. Uh, I would like to give a special shout out, I guess as well, to Queen's Gambit. I'm fairly sure everybody in the entire world watched that when it came out. Uh, about this genius chess player and she she's a female and in a very male based sport I like the time when it's set and she just basically skills them all and it's a good watch yeah it's pretty good and for movie wise on Netflix there's a lot to choose from but this movie I'm gonna suggest even before I've seen I haven't even seen it I'm gonna suggest it because it's my favourite director and I just have not gotten the chance to watch it yet it's Mank. Um, it's a movie that's about the guy that wrote Citizen Kane. So, director David Fincher. I'm probably going to watch it next like next week, but yeah, check it out. Next up, we have... This one's kind of weird because in different countries, this streaming service, these shows that I'm going to do and slash streaming service is like has different streamers that's available to so here in canada it's on crave um i know back in ireland and i think in europe it might just be mainly in ireland or ireland and england it's on now tv and then in america it's hbo max i'm not sure about greater europe or like asia um I know these are HBO shows. Basically, the two of these shows are HBO shows. So whatever you can get that on, like maybe if you're in Ireland, you have a dodgy box that gets you everything. I'm sure these two shows will be on it. Um, the first one is a show that I'm actually in the middle of watching. I actually haven't finished it. But it came out last year and I love it. It's great. It's called uh, Lovecraft Country. And it's a drama slash a supernatural horror. So... It it was created by uh, Misha Green, and um, she had worked. She was a writer on like Heroes and Sons of Anarchy, and uh, this is actually based on a book. Um, it's got ten episodes, first season. Um, I haven't looked into if it's getting a second season because I don't want to spoil anything because I'm fucking loving it. Um, the plot is about a guy named Atticus Freeman as he joins up with his friend, uh, his friend and his uncle. George to embark on a road trip across 1950s Jim Crow America in search of his missing father. This begins a struggle to survive and overcome both the racist terrors of white America and the terrifying monsters that could be ripped from a Lovecraft paperback. Um, yeah, so it's the main characters, the, the main cast is just all black and so 
the first episode is brilliantly done that it's I guess I gotta explain what Lovecraft is. So I'm reversing back a bit. Lovecraft or HP Lovecraft was a science fiction writer in when was he? I think it was like the forties. Let me check it up. He was around Yeah. I mean he was born in eighteen ninety and he died nineteen thirty seven. So yeah, I guess around the nineteen twenties and nineteen nineteen ten that he like put out like all of his these crazy books. So they call him the King of Cosmic Horror. So basically he wrote um supernatural novels about these other beings from different dimensions. <coughs> Excuse me. Ugh, dry trouble. But yeah, he wrote these books from car- about um these monsters from different dimensions. His most famous monster is Cthulhu, which people might know from South Park or like it's been referenced in lots of different things. Cthulhu is this giant like squid-like monster. um, Yeah, with wings and shit. But basically his idea of his books was like basically prove how insignificant the human race is because there's all these, there's constantly these giant monsters like from different dimensions trying to break into reality. And it's about people trying to stop that. So he's got these collection of books, like kind of like an MCU connected books, like where all these horror creatures trying to break into like our dimension. In saying that, I've never read any of them. Um, I've just known brief synopsis of them. So if there's out there, someone out there that is a HP Lovecraft fan, and is like this guy's talking shit, please reach out to me and let me know. And I apologize. But I'm pretty sure... That that's the basic gist of it. What's interesting about this show is that I looked into it and apparently H.P. Lovecraft, this is well known, was a disgusting racist. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he wrote all these books, but like he in in his books, like he would also reference have some very ref, um, racism overtures and like straight up just like. Didn't like any people that weren't white. He believed in like a higher classist, um, classist system and all that stuff. But basically, Lovecraft Country is based on a book that was written in the nineteen nineties, I think. Um, Lovecraft Country. Sorry, I'm not as prepared for this one as I am another one. Uh, it's written by a guy named Matt Matt Ruff. Um, oh no, I'm scratched completely what I said in the 1990s. It was released in 2016. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what that does is that I think it, it's a brilliant way of what they do is because it's set during Jim Crow laws and it's about like this... Um, black man who is dealing with both racism like and all these creatures taken from Lovecraft and so you got like all these monsters showing up and like all the supernatural shit happening but he's trying to solve this mystery 
in like this fucked up time period. And it's brilliant. The way they do it is fucking fantastic. Like most of the time you're trying to decide what's more horrifying. The racism, which was, I'm for sure, like very exactly close to what they're showing, like in the South and during Jim Crow, like craziness. Um, or the monsters from a different dimension. So they do that brilliantly, uh, the way they balance that. And each episode is like its own genre. Um, Like the first episode you think is going to be this really straight drama about him trying to find his father. And then it just takes this crazy turn. Uh, Yeah. And they introduce all this mad, crazy stuff, but in such a sincere way. And then the most recent episode that I watch, it's kind of like an Indiana Jones episode. They have to go hunting through a th- tomb. Um, it's it's very good. I'm really, really enjoying it. It's really going against the grain and what I think it would have done and all that stuff. It's keeping me really surprised. So I'd suggest watching it. It's brilliant. Really well done. Acting's fantastic. Stories, great. Effects are brilliant. I can't praise it enough. But yeah, it's a classic HBO show. Lovecraft. Like, you know, HBO are just churn out gold. And, you know, keeping with talking about gold and brilliant stuff that HBO put out, my next one is another HBO show and it's called Barry. It's a dark comedy. It was made by Alec Berg and Bill Hader. Love Bill Hader. Great man. It has two seasons and it's got eight episodes per season. The plot, um, it's about this guy named Barry, Barry Berkman, a former Marine living in Cle- from Cleveland who works as a hitman. He's lonely and he's dissatisfied with his life, so he travels to Los Angeles to kill, and he has to travel to Los Angeles to kill a target. But he ends up finding an accepting community in a group of like these eager, hopeful actors in LA. They're all part of like this, um acting class it's and he just becomes friends with all of them i don't think i described that well yeah he's <laughs> he's a hitman that has to kill somebody and that person is part of like an acting class so then he follows into the acting class and then they just all think that he's this new actor it's brilliant Bill Hader um, won an Emmy for it. Henry uh, Winkler, who plays the acting coach, won an Emmy as well. Uh, It's so funny. It's a dark comedy, but it's so fucking funny. It's just brilliant. Um, It has action in it. It has great acting. The writing is amazing. I love what it does. It basically, like... He's this guy that's just so lost. Um, like he, and he's a trained killer. He can kill whoever he wants. Like he, he's a badass in it. Like, you know, but what saves him is this acting group that he goes on stage and he's a terrible actor. Um, but like, you know, he the actor and teacher starts to push him to be like no you have to be real take something that really happened to you and then he's really good in some scenes because he takes 
the PTSD stuff like that happened to him in the war and he uses it for scenes and I just love it that it like shows how art and expressing yourself and like accessing that creative side can help with stuff like that like I'm no expert but I know that creating art and making art has helped kept me sane and I know a lot of people that would be of the same opinion so I love how in this show it like actually saves his life on top of that Bill Hader is amazing um, if you don't know him just watch him he's on Saturday Night Live lots of shit he's the guy that played that was in it too he played the grown up Richie with the glasses um, he's amazing he's a great great actor and this show is like he deserves the Emmy for it him and Henry Winkler who is awesome in it as well but it's it's hilarious and there's some amazing action scenes in it and it's just badass so yeah check it out um there's also lots of other great suggestions on the hbo vibe crave now tv like you have the classics like the sopranos the wire all that shit like you know and there's a bunch of films on there as well that i'm sure you would all fucking love i just i'm new to crave um or hbo max so i started with lovecraft country Next on my list is Watchmen, which is not supposed also meant to be very good. But for now, they're my two suggestions and check them out. I guarantee you will not dis- be, be disappointed with watching those two. Jesus, you actually forget um, how much listening I do on this podcast when I have a guest. And doing all the talking is tiring. <laughs> um, I don't know how some people do this every week. I don't know how Blind Boy just gets on the podcast and just show he talks for hours. And it's always so engaging. I guess that's why they pay him the big bucks, huh? And anyway, <laughs> back on to... Uh, if anybody does know Blind Boy, give him a show. I'd love to have him on the podcast and, like, you know, actually find out what his favourite film is. I wonder if it's, like, something to do with Spike Lee. I'm only saying that because I just recently listened to a Spike Lee podcast that he did like two years ago. But yeah, if anybody knows him, you know, help, help a boy out. Love to get him on. Moving on swiftly. Disney Plus, the new contender um, in the streaming services. There's not much on Disney, like there's like, no, I take that back. There's a lot on Disney Plus, but it's all mainly kids stuff. You know, I think they're pushing, they have two big cards and then that's it. Really, when it comes to like adults watching their content. They have some small interest stuff. They have some kind of interesting documentaries, but mainly it's just like lots of Disney films like that you're bank that they're banking on nostalgia. Um and yeah. Then they have these other two shows slash films that are basically I think the main reason that people subscribe to them. So the first one is it's it's kind of a twofer. Um it's the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe slash WandaVision. So the reasons that I've put these both together is because if you've gone this long without watching Marvel movies or like jumping in or getting on the bandwagon, 
disclaimer, I'm a huge Marvel fan. Love Marvel. Complete comic book nerd. But if you manage to withhold this long without going, jumping on the bandwagon or watching some of the films and you're stuck in lockdown, just, I'd say just hop on board. I know that like some people, they're not there. They're just like, oh, they class them all. They're just like, oh, they're all the same film. They're all not like, you know, it's all the same thing. It's not real Martin Scorsese. Like they're not real films. I love Martin Scorsese, by the way, but like, come on. Um, <laughs> controversial thing there, but I mean, like Martin Scorsese made Hugo. Can you like? I have a bit of a chip on my shoulder about the comments that he said. It's like, oh, they're not real films. Like Martin Scorsese made Hugo, which is about a kid going on this big, grand, epic adventure. Hugo would fit in very well as a Disney movie, but like you know, that's beside the point. And the MCU, yeah. So you have 23 films there that you could just watch one a night and you're great. It tells, it's never been done before. And that's what I love about it is that they've taken 23 films to tell this one long overarching story that ends really well and in a really satisfying way. You get connected to these films, these characters that are in multiple films. Now, um, unfortunately, due to some rights, Disney doesn't have all of the Marvel movies. It doesn't have the Incredible Hulk, which is a lot better than what people say it is. Um, it doesn't have the Spider-Man movies, which is because Sony owns the rights for them. But it, what it does have is it has like all the ones, all the other ones. So it's missing like four, four of them, I think, from the MCU timeline. Three, maybe. Here for, but it has them all in order what you should watch which is really nice like you know i think my my brother and my nephew and sister-in-law are actually have been watching them all every one a night for the past couple of weeks and you know it's a great thing to do if like yeah have a family and you're just like bored and you know you can make an event of it it's really good you can miss some of them some of them are shy i'm not gonna lie like the first two tours are shy uh Iron Man 2 and 3 aren't great. <laughs> Captain America Winter Soldier is brilliant though. Uh, Guardians Galaxy is brilliant. Like there's a lot of good stuff going on. Like the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Marvel movies aren't going anywhere. Like they've made too much money and you know, so you can keep like no no shade, no, no shade if you're like no, they're not for me. Fair enough. But I'm saying they're not going anywhere. They're really good. Give them a chance. Why not? So piggybacking off that, the WandaVision show. So this is Marvel's, it's not their first step into television shows. Like they've done small shit before, like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Peggy Carter. But this is their first, the movie division has basically been like, no, we want the TV shows too. So this is like the first TV show of like the new Marvel so remember when I was saying that it's 23 films to tell one story. So that one story, it's not that it's finished, but it's it's done. Like, you know, from Iron Man to Endgame, that's a story. You know, they, there's a beginning, a middle and end to that. Um, it has one big bad guy, Thanos. And yeah, whatever happens in that. 
So then one division is basically them going into this new realm. So if even if you didn't want to watch the 23 films beforehand, you could literally, they've done it really well that you can just jump into WandaVision um, and just, they explain a lot as it goes on. Um, it has nine episodes. Uh, it's created by uh, a woman called uh, Jacques Schaefer. Schaefer? I don't know. But she's doing a great job. The plot is basically, it's set three weeks after the events of Avengers Endgame. And Wanda Maximoff and Vision, they're superheroes um, from the Marvel Universe, are living in an idealistic suburban life in a town called Westview, New Jersey, trying to conceal their true natures. As they begin to enter new decades and encounter television tropes, the couple suspect that things are not as they seem. So even reading that plot, you might be a bit... um, confused <laughs> so basically they start off the tv show and it's a f- rip off of a 50s tv show of like a married couple in a suburban living trying to hide her secret like bewitched um, and then the next next episode it goes into the 60s and then the next episode it goes into the 70s and then the 80s and then the 90s and it's like slowly making its way up to a modern day television show but there's obviously something else going on uh, Wanda, her name is the Scarlet Witch. She has superpowers, and Vision is this robot AI that she's married to. It's bizarre, it's crazy, but if you watch the first three episodes, are meh, but they are laying the groundwork for the rest of the show, which does a really good job of basically filling you in on everything you need to know about the MCU. So, if you don't want to watch the MCU movies, but you're feeling about hopping on the bandwagon. I think Wanda Vision is a good place to start. Sorry, that was a long-winded way. <laughs> I think I spent about ten minutes on the MCU there. Um, it's it's a big it's a big movie phenomenon happening right now, and you know I think it deserves our time. <laughs> the other one, the other big trope and card that Disney Plus has is Star Wars, and obviously the can't talk Star Wars, modern Star Wars without talking about The Mandalorian which is basically is a sci-fi western created by John Favreau John Favreau has made The New Lion King, he made um, Two of the Iron Mans in the MCU, he's he's done lots of shit, he's, he's basically like one of the biggest directors in Hollywood right now and he's made this show um, it's eight episodes in each season. There's two seasons. So the show it happens after the events of Return of the Jedi. That's the original Star Wars. Um, on the fall of the Galactic Empire. The Mandalorian follows um, uh, Din Djarin, a lone Mandalorian bounty hunter in the outer reaches of the galaxy. He is hired by a leftover Imperial forces to retrieve a child who is basically like baby Yoda, but instead goes on the run and protects the infant, uh, the infant while trying to um, reunite the baby Yoda with his own kind, the Jedi. He is pursued by an evil guy, the Empire. The Mandalorian, the fourth season, was okay. 
I'd give it maybe a six out of ten because of like the production value. But there's a lot of story building. There's a lot of slow taking their time. But to be fair, you don't need to worry about that because it's already out. You can binge it right now. You can just power through that first season. When I say power through, like Disney has Disney does a week by week release, which is different to their Netflix and like your Amazon Prime, which release all in one day, and you can just go boom, 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 and binge it. So it makes you really know when the bad episodes are bad because you have waited an entire week to watch the show. Um, it's funny I'm talking like that as if it's like a new concept to us, but like telly was doing that for years. <laughs> um, it's a smart plot um, thing by Disney, to be fair. But basically what it does is it highlights the shitter episodes and it can be said for WandaVision and The Mandalorian. Um, but season two, the Mandalorian really kicks up in gear. Uh, they do some amazing shit. It's really Star Warsy. It's a great show that just stands on its own two feet as well. But if you're a Star Wars fan, it really rewards you. It's better than the entire sequel trilogy, um, which isn't too hard. But it's very, very good. Um, if you're a Star Wars fan, you ever like Star Wars at all? It's a great great watch but also if you're not a star wars fan and you're just looking for something to jump in it's a good show for that it's the same same as like one division it's a nice jumping off point that might lead you into a bigger world of content so yeah um that's that obviously like disney plus also has the simpsons which is pretty good (laughs) but yeah that's that's a bunch of suggestions there from different uh, streamers um, I guess I gave my thoughts on Amazon Prime so I think the best streamer is still Netflix at present because Disney Plus like I was saying it's still like it's so early and it only really has like it has a very specific category. Like if you have kids, get Disney Plus because you can put on any Disney film whenever and they'll just sit down and watch it. But like there's only so much you can watch like Star Wars, Marvel and the old Disney movies. Now Disney are working on bringing in, um, they bought Fox. So they're bringing, working on bringing in like this new section of the app where it's like for teenagers and adults and they're going to have lots of these new shows. Um, it's coming in like the next couple of months. So I think that'll really change how people look at Disney Plus and like their opinions on it. It it has a good formula with its shows, the way it does the week by week. Like it pissed me off at the start because especially with WandaVision, it was like half an hour episodes, not even like 20 minutes. And I was just like, you can't do that with half hour episodes. I'm, I can't, like I'm, I've been spoiled. I'm watching these Netflix shows that are hour-long episodes and they all drop at once. So, um, yeah, so Disney have gone to a week-by-week basis, which is really smart on um, them as a company because basically they have a bunch of new Marvel shows coming out this year and what the, you're constantly, there's going to be a Marvel show just always be running on in between the movies. So it's really smart. And it gives you something to look forward to towards the week. And um, what's the other one? 
Uh, HBO Max, uh, Crave, or Now TV. Crave is expensive. Okay, well, it's expensive compared to the other ones. So I bought Crave. Crave's the <laughs> Crave is the only one that I have actually bought that I actually pay for. And I bought it to watch actually last week's movie, um, Harley Quinn. I was like, because and some people have like have Crave and they're like, oh, you should try it. So I've been meaning to like have a look into it for a while because as all well the HBO shows. But what I found out was that you can get basic Crave, which like has like a base level of shows. But to get HBO content, I had to buy put another tenner on. So I'm basically paying plus tax $25 a month for um, HBO and Crave stuff. It has a great selection because um, HBO is amazing. You know, like I'm probably going to keep it because I have never finished The Sopranos. I've never finished The Wire. So I plan to get to them. I'm watching Lovecraft and it has South Park. Uh, it's great. And it has like this whole shit ton of movies, um, which I like. But $25 is still pretty expensive. Um, uh, they have all Game of Thrones as well, by the way. Depending on like if you like that ending or not. <laughs> um, I know when they come out with like new shows as well that I think they do a week by week releasing. So they also have that. But I don't know. I think I like Crave. It's just a bit too expensive. Um, HBO Max has all the DC movies as well, like you know, the equivalent to like Marvel and DC, you know, it's shitter. Listen to the podcast last week to talk about Are uh, with Chris and Harley Quinn to hear us shit on um DC Universe more. <laughs> um but yeah, that's got it's fairly new as well, but it has some good upcoming things. Um so yeah, it should be interesting. HBO Max specifically, which is only available in America, has been like involved in a few lawsuits because Warner Brothers, which um, is like the home of DC and HBO Max, are like releasing a bunch of movies that were supposed to be released in the cinema on the streaming service. And that's basically fucked over. They didn't ask like the people that made these movies permission. So it's basically just fucked over all these people and get like paid. Because when a movie comes out, um, and you say you're the director or you're the actors, if it does really well, you get like a percentage of the profits, like depending on what it does in the box office. So a lot of people are really pissed off about that. But then also there's like genuine like artists that are like, I made my movie to go out in the cinema and now it's going to be on a streaming service. Like this is fucking bullshit. You didn't even ask me if you could do this. So they're kind of caught up in like a whole thing going on with them. But you know, it's good. I think it's the same. They're in the same ballpark as Disney Plus. Like it's, it's really early as a streaming service. Um, and then, like like I said, I think Netflix is still king because of just, it's been around longer. It has so much content. Uh, I know the Canadian one does. Like, it has so much. Like, it has so many different genres. Like, it has stuff for kids. It has stuff for teenagers. It has stuff for adults. It has documents, documentaries, like comedy action um stand-up it it has drama it has everything um also i think they're just they have 
the streaming model down to a T from just being in it for so long. Like they know what they're doing. Their interface is the best as well. I guess that's something I could talk about as well. Like Amazon is a bit cluttered. It's not as easy. Disney Plus, oh, interface is shy. <laughs> um, Crave, I haven't had any issues with it, but I haven't really explored it because it's just on my phone. Um, Netflix, yeah. Easiest interface. Pretty simple to use. I have no complaints about it. And I think it's also like the best price. It's like a tenner per month and you get lots of shit. So yeah, um, I wasn't planning that last bit to rate the streaming services, but there you go. Streaming isn't going away anytime soon, especially with like the uncertainty of movie theaters, which hopefully will open up. And I realized that this wasn't really a movie one. This is more of a TV show, but seeing as we're both, most of us are stra- uh, um, stuck at home and these are the only things that we're watching, you know, why not? Why not? Uh, throw in some suggestions there but yeah well I hope you've enjoyed that folks I depending on how I feel or like I might because COVID has affected some guests being able to come on and other situations like that so you might get a few more of these this season like some specials where I just talk specifically about a subject um, if you liked it let me know hopefully you did like it Head on over to our Instagram, give us a like and a follow for Lump Friday Podcast. Um, and that's it. But like I said, uh, next week we're going back to our normal schedules of having a very interesting person on to talk about their very interesting film. Next week we are going to have on Katie Larkin, who is going to be talking about The Big Short. She works in finances, so... I wouldn't be the most clued in when it comes to the financial ongoings of the world or like what happened in like the recession and stuff and the housing market crash that the big short is based on. So I'm really, really looking forward to talking to her about that. And she's actually the sister of Karen Larkin, who we had on a couple of weeks ago to talk about um, Rush. Yeah. So looking forward to that can't wait um hope you enjoyed this week's episode something a little different for you keep you on your toes and we will talk to you next week bye